Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As he does each and every single Monday, our good friend, Chris Doring of SEC Network. Chris, what's going on, my man? Great to chat with you once again. Yeah, yeah good to chat with you and have a chance to actually chat about uh, real games and things that happen as opposed to uh, kind of projecting what we think. Although, I don't know for, for uh, your fan base and my fan base, I don't know if people want to chat about it, but we'll have to recap that nonetheless. You got to embrace it, man. Hey, week one, the ball is rolling. And we knew, right, things can change so drastically week to week. And certainly that was the case for the Gators and the Gamecocks. Let's start with Florida, Chris. Obviously, their action took place on Thursday, falling to Utah by a final score of 24 to 11. Chris, I thought what was so interesting, and I'm sure you noticed it as well, as the news leaked about Cam Rising not playing in that football game, you saw the Vegas line fall and fall and fall. And at one point, Florida was a four-and-a-half-point underdog. And many in the national media, I thought, were gravitating toward picking the Florida Gators. They became kind of that sexy upset pick. But yeah. Utah, obviously, the elevation and their football team as a whole, I think they showed they're a complete football team. They're not just their quarterback. And also, I thought, Chris, they showed that I mean, they knew for weeks that Cam Rising was not going to play. They did a great job in getting their starter ready. I thought there were some encouraging signs for Florida. You know, I thought Graham Mertz, Chris, honestly, he wasn't as bad as maybe folks made him out to be in the offseason. But line of scrimmage, lack of run game, and I'm sure you'd agree, I think Florida's a team when you can't get that two-headed monster in the backfield going, it's going to be really tough sledding. What did you see, though, specifically from the Gators' season opener? And is there anything that you can take some signs of encouragement? Because it's not like Florida, you know, lost to a scrub team. They weren't expected yeah. to win. So was there anything that you saw that maybe you feel like they can take, improve on, and build off of? Yeah, you're right, Chris. It's an interesting um, contrast, right, to, to think about Florida going out west to play an elevation against the defending two-time Pac-12 champion versus some of the teams in the SEC that were playing mid-major type programs or even FCS programs. And so I think you kind of have to take some things with a grain of salt. Would it have been better maybe to have played McNeese State in the first ball game instead of week two? Perhaps. But I, I think you actually do learn a lot about your team. And let's be honest, nobody thought Florida was going to win the national championship this year. So losing a game out of conference is not as devastating as I think the Florida fan base would have you believe it is. Now, the way they went about losing it is certainly something that's frustrating and can uh, maybe cause some some concern looking forward in the future. Uh, but you you talked about Utah, knowing Cam Rising was out, knowing that they were going to have to use a backup or, in this case, two backup quarterbacks, which I thought they did a great job of using both of those and, and playing to their skill sets. The play calling was fantastic. Uh, I thought the coaching on the Utah side was great. I thought the coaching on the Florida side 
was uh, less than what was expected, uh, given you know some of the things that I had seen in practice and and things that I had heard. But I think you go back and and um, you know the, the the penalties are one thing. You know, jumping off sides on third and short, fourth and short, in a, an environment like that that that's effort. That's you know early season mistakes. Not knowing where to line up, you know, not knowing that you have to have enough men on the line of scrimmage as a receiver, where you are, where you're supposed to be, is is an issue. Um, not knowing that you can't have two number threes on the field at the same time when you get a stop and force a punt is an issue. Getting play calling in late into the the, the uh, play clock is is an issue. Taking delay of games in the red zone, um, one of thirteen on third downs is an issue. So there's a lot of things that I think you go back and look at and feel really nervous about, but I'm with you, Graham Mertz. I thought he did a great job. Uh, I don't know that it's ideal that you throw the ball 44 times or whatever he ended up doing, but um, sometimes, and people don't know this unless you actually have a chance to look at the tape, but like Utah took away the run. They were putting guys in the box to try to, to force Florida to have to throw the football, which they, they kind of reluctantly did a little bit later, but I thought Graham Mertz got him into some good plays at the line of scrimmage at times, made some really good throws at times, made some that maybe could have been a little bit better. But um, it, it, at the end of the day, I, I think uh, there's more playmakers uh, on the offense than there were last year, particularly at the receiver position. Trey Wilson looked really good. Ricky Pearsall had a slow start but got going later on. Uh, so there is room to, to, to maybe feel optimistic about it, but you got to clean up the self-inflicted wounds because Florida's just not good enough to win against quality teams doing that to themselves. Chris, certainly not asking you to go scorched earth on Billy Napier or anything, but does it concern you when you have those type of mistakes? Again, I, I know it's a season opener, but these are things that, you know, this isn't year one. And some of those things I feel like you're talking about, they are year one mistakes showing up in year two. Yeah, it's not year one, but there are 40-something new players on the roster. So, in effect, it's year one that those guys are being coached by this coaching staff. It's year one that those guys are all playing together as a unit. So. I, I don't mean to make, uh, 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 you know, mistakes for or make uh, excuses for them. But at the same time, I go back and look at last year. LSU was miserable a year ago tonight in that opener against Florida State. Looked like they had problems even getting lined up and catching punts and executing plays. And uh, they ended up getting a lot better. I didn't even think they were going to get bowl eligible after the loss last year. So there is a precedent for feeling like you can improve. I certainly am not putting Billy Napier on the same level of, of coaching as, as I am with Brian Kelly right now, but I still do believe in uh, Billy Napier. I think he's a good coach. I think he's surrounded by a lot of other good ones. Go back defensively. Chris, you and I talked last week. Austin Armstrong, I still believe, is a star in the making. Did they get beat on the first play? Safety, the Moten gets caught up in the crosser. They hit the post over the top. They give up a 70-yard touchdown there. Not great. Uh, the offense turns the ball over early in the third quarter inside the 20. Uh, they pick it off and and uh, set up a, a short field to be able to score. They get off the field on third down. They punt. They have, you know, two number threes on the field and get the defense right back on the field. So I think the defense is actually maybe one of the things that you should be most optimistic about if you're a Florida fan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, moving to, Chris, the game Saturday night in Charlotte. Gamecocks falling to North Carolina 31-17. to And to call this one disappointing, I think, is putting it lightly. A, a game in which, you know, Chris, I, I thought this was a coin flip game. I, I think some within Gamecock Nation maybe took the Tar Heels a little bit lightly and, and took lightly the ability of Drake May, his array of weapons, even without Tez Walker and some others. And then defensively, you know, we were not sure the type of strides UNC would make, but they couldn't be worse than last year. Yeah. But to say what happened on Saturday night was a surprise, again, I think that's putting it lightly. Nine sacks in the ballgame. South Carolina rushed for 11 yards. We'll start offensively. Your thoughts on the Gamecocks' offensive line struggles, Chris, because it's one of those things where – you know, following this program as closely as we do, you knew this was a question mark. You knew it could be a deficiency, and you tried to plug your holes with transfers from schools such as Western Illinois, Charlotte, Mercer, Yale. And, Chris, frankly, I think you saw the difference in Power 5 talent, ACC talent versus maybe some of those lower-level guys that I don't think they really knew what they were stepping into. Your thoughts on the offense, because I think that was the big question mark coming in the season after you fire your offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, all the Spencer Rattler chatter. But, I mean, he never had a chance. And Dowell yeah. Lockett's never had a chance. If you can't get some sort of push or provide any protection, you give up nine sacks and rush for 11 yards, Chris. I mean, you're going to lose that game 10 times out of 10. You know what it reminds me of a little bit, Chris, is last year we had such high hopes for Kentucky with Will Levis returning, with Chris Rodriguez at the running back position, with some receivers that ended up surprising us as freshmen. But all of that was a moot point because they couldn't protect. They couldn't run block and they couldn't protect. And, and certainly um, every defensive coordinator's main goal when you talk to them about what you hope to do is to stop the run. When you stop the run and make somebody run one-dimensional, it, it's easy from there. And I know, you know, I know Gene Chizik very well. I know early on he knew that they weren't going to be able to, to run the football against him. And at that point in time, it became much easier for him to call plays. Now, you know, credit to North Carolina. They upgraded their talent significantly on the defensive line and the entire side of the ball. Uh, it, it looked like uh, a total mismatch in terms of the skill and, and level of, of ability that they had on their defensive line versus what South Carolina had on their offensive line. Um, but it, you know, it, it became a, a, uh, almost a feeding frenzy where things got out of control. What was it? Seven and seven of the nine sacks, I think were in the second half, you know, playing from behind is obviously not great. Um, not being able to run the ball hurts you as well, but I, I don't know, Chris, I don't know what you can do to fix it. I mean, it, you know, it, it was disappointing to have as many 
the injuries impact uh, your availability of top players as there was. But if you can't find a way to block, it, you know, it doesn't matter how good your skill players are. I was uh, disappointed to see Juice Wells go out. Xavier Leggett maybe was the, the, uh, the real bright spot of the night, making multiple contested catches. So the, his sense of urgency seems to have, have come along. But even on the passes that Spencer Rattler completed, he was still getting hit time and time again. So I, I know he's hurting uh, on Sunday morning, and I can't even imagine you know, what he must be thinking about going forward. The problem becomes is like, remember last year when they weren't playing well, as soon as he didn't know what to do, he's scrambling away. The, the, the games that he was the most successful – Tennessee Clemson he stood in the pocket made a quick decision through the football when you don't know if you're going to be protected your natural human instinct is to try to try to run and make something happen start you know seeing ghosts that aren't even there and that's my concern going forward if they can't make him feel more confident in there the entire plan of the season offensively erodes the Spurs up show is brought to you by our friends over at twisted T are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And to your point, Chris, you know, again, when you follow it as close as we do, you know sort of the lay of the land, what the roster looks like. I mean, when you look at this roster, Chris, and what's available, it's it's not like you've got a bunch of second teamers that are juniors and seniors and you say, okay, well, maybe these guys are ready to play their best ball. I mean, they're true freshmen. And granted, yeah. they were highly rated, but that's not normally a recipe for success at the SEC when, oh, by the way, in two weeks, your first SEC games – 
is between the hedges at Georgia. Yeah. You're going to ask those young guys to go block those monsters over there at UGA. Chris, I think on the defensive side, though, I think South Carolina has issues there as well. I, I think their secondary is fantastic. But that defensive front, you mentioned Spencer Rattler, the scrambling, getting hit. Bro, Drake May was playing seven on seven. I, I mean, setting mm -hmm. is really comfortable. And we talked about coming in that game, they had to disrupt his rhythm, his timing, his comfortability. I can only think of maybe two or three times tops that I saw Drake May scrambling. And I mean, he's a guy that's going to make you pay. So fans get so exhausted hearing it. But line of scrimmage on that side of the ball, Chris, I think that's a major issue as well. Yeah, I mean, and it's really what the SEC is about. We talk about it probably too much, but it is a line of scrimmage league. And it certainly is true. Um, and, and again, you're not able to go out into the, the uh, the free agent market and bring anybody in. So it, it kind of is what it is at this point. Um, you know, Florida's had the same problem the last couple of years, and it's manifested itself in terms of passing yards given up in the secondary, inability to get off the field on third down. If you can't pressure with your front four, if you can't disrupt uh, the run game by penetrating with your, your defensive line, again, it's going to be a long season. So I was proud uh, of the, the fight. I, I thought that the secondary made a couple plays to keep them in the ball game when it looked like it was about to get out of hand. Um, you know, I, I, I thought North Carolina made some better adjustments than I saw South Carolina making a, adjustments. Um, but it, at, at the end of the day, you know, you got to find a way to, to create some pressure. So if you can't do it organically with your, your front four, now it starts to be something where you're going to have to maybe ask that secondary to do more than you'd like to, unfortunately. Chris, two two part question for you, then we'll move on to the rest of the slate. How surprised were you in just how much of a beatdown that was? Because again, I thought it was a 50-50 game. I, I did not see it playing out the way that it did. Did that surprise you at all? And then, you know, if you came in this season with unrealistic expectations, and I say unrealistic, expecting nine and three, ten and two, something crazy like that. To be fair, I, I'd call that unrealistic. If you came in with unrealistic expectations, this more so applies to that crowd. But my second part of the question is, how do you feel that loss to North Carolina? And I'm not trying to overreact, but how do you feel? Does it reset expectations in your mind? Because I had South Carolina at seven and five with a win over the Tar Heels. And so now all of a sudden, I think that this season goes from, hey, let's match last year's win total to you better make sure you find a way to get to six wins because yeah. offensive line play and lack of pressure and there are no gimmies on this slate. There already weren't, but even more so now. Yeah, I think there's one thing to lose, and there's another thing in the style and the way you go about losing. And I think the way that, that South Carolina went about losing that ball game gives you real reason for concern. You know, as you talked about before, the offensive line, the defensive line, um, you know, if you can't block them, you can't protect, you can't run the football a little bit, you can't create some pass rush. You know, it, it, it's going to create some real problems for you, especially as you get into SEC play. So, you know, I, I, I think there are a lot of Florida fans right now reevaluating what they think the year can be like based upon the way that Florida lost the game. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was going to be hard for them. I was nervous you know, after Coach Beamer's first year when they end up you know, getting bowl eligible, winning the, the, the Duke's Mayo Bowl and win seven games that year that they were going to have a hard time exceeding that expectation or leaving living up to it and they did exceed it now the bar is set higher you got younger players you got some some issues with injuries at the start of the season that's never a good thing so I, I do think you know there needs to be some patience and understanding that um, this program's still being built and that uh, it's going to have some bumps along it's not a you know growth is not an upward trajectory all the time there are there are 
some bumps in the road. There are some back steps and some dips, but um, I believe in Shane Beamer. I believe in his coaching staff and, you know, hopefully they can find a way to rally. Cause again, last year, yeah, after that Florida game, maybe the most embarrassing loss of the year when they go down to Gainesville and don't score a single offensive point, they come back and find a way to, to rally and beat Tennessee and Clemson in back-to-back weeks. So if anybody can do it, I, I believe in Coach Beamer. Chris, the rest of the SEC slate, it really was cupcake weekend. I mean, the closest margin of victory uh, was 25 points. That was Missouri on Thursday, 35-10. to 10. I want to go directly to Tuscaloosa, though, a 56-7 to win. But you look at the storylines underneath the storylines. Uh, the play of Jalen Milrow, what did you see from him? I, mean, I, I only saw highlights of this game, obviously. But when four is on the field, I mean, he's one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete. And I thought the touch on the deep ball, I thought that really stood out to me on a couple of those that he hit. Did anything jump out to you? Obviously, the real test will come this weekend against Texas. But what did you see from Jalen Milrow in that Alabama quarterback room on Saturday night? Yeah, I've talked to you a couple times in the offseason about my concerns for Alabama as a whole. You know, I, th- I thought they would go 9-3 and three this year. And largely that had to do with a couple different things. Quarterback position, who we, you know, didn't necessarily know was going to win that job and what the capabilities would be of that person. Offensive line who's been underachieving the last couple of years and receivers that really haven't um, developed uh, all that well uh, in the last uh, season or two as, as well. So um, I think in going back and watching that game last night, the offensive line did a good job of protecting for the most part. Coach Saban was a little frustrated with some pressures that they gave up, uh, two sacks as well. But all in all, I thought they were pretty good. The receivers made plays down the field, something uh, more explosive uh, plays than we had seen before. But the story of the night was Jalen Milrow, and I thought he was the right guy to, to start this year, given some of the concerns that I had had. But I had no idea he was going to play with the poise that he played with, with the confidence that he played with. Uh, even on the, the touchdown where the bad snap is rolling back by him, a lot of guys freak out. You know, they dive on the ball. They, they try to you know pick it up and make a play. This dude, you know, calmly goes back there, gets it, gets himself collected, and, and, and runs the ball into the end zone. He's a great athlete, as you said, but the question was, is he going to be a great quarterback? And I saw some things last night that lead me to believe that he certainly can be. Uh, the touch, as you mentioned, on the deep ball, uh, the decision-making, I really felt a lot different about Jalen Milrow and about this team as a whole after watching it last night. Now, albeit it's not LSU or Tennessee or some of the other SEC teams they'll play, but it's better competition than a lot of the FCS opponents that SEC teams played. So I think uh, it's a great opener for them. It's exactly what they needed to get ready for uh, Texas coming into town this week. Chris, we'll go to another brand-new quarterback situation. You know, you look at Georgia's schedule, you could not have asked for a better opening to break in Carson Beck with uh, the game against UT Martin on Saturday, and then, of course, you got Ball State in week two. But that game got off to somewhat of a slow start, right? I was getting texts about, are you looking at Georgia right now? Maybe they've fallen off to some degree or whatever. All they do is go finish the game, win 48-7. to more yeah. importantly, though, what did you see from Carson Beck from the Georgia offense? Again, the game did have sort of a, a sluggish feel early, but the dogs obviously rolled. Did you take anything away from that ball game and Carson Beck's play specifically? Yeah, here's the thing. I, I don't know how much you can take away playing an FCS opponent. You know, it's I, I remember myself playing against some of those type games where, it, you know, even the most competitive person has a hard time really getting that emotional – uh, readiness up and, and and ready to go. So I um, it was the perfect game, as you said, for where they are right now, having to replace Stetson Bennett, 
Carson Beck gets a chance to get his feet wet uh, against a, uh, an opponent you knew they were going to beat regardless of what happened. Uh, I thought Brock Bowers was maybe one of the few people early on that was playing as hard as they needed. Uh, Kirby was a little frustrated with the guy's sense of urgency, but they ended up turning it on. And, and you did it um, without, you know, Lad McConkey's not out there. So Makai Muse steps up and, and makes a, a, a big play. Um, Ra Thomas comes over from, from Mississippi State, makes a big play down the field. They end up having, I think, like eight explosive passing plays. So once Carson Beck got going, I think he felt more comfortable, just like everybody that's a first-time starter would, would feel. And I think it was a, a good launching off point for the, the rest of the season. You identified some new playmakers. You understand that you if you don't play your best, you know, you're not just going to roll the ball out there and, and score 100 points. Um, so I, I do think it was something that uh, they needed, and uh, I think they'll learn a lot from game one to game two. Chris, sticking with quarterbacks, I feel like we're on a roll. We'll go to Nashville. Tennessee takes down Virginia 49-13. I thought really, truly, we're talking quarterbacks, but the takeaway for me was Tennessee's defense. They were swarming all over the place, but, of course, everybody wants to talk about Joe Milton. What were your what were your thoughts on him? I, I, I thought you saw some encouraging signs, but I think you still kind of see, is he going to be able to throw the change up, right, and, and throw balls in a window? And Because, like you mentioned, as the competition yeah. increases – it's going to become that much tougher. What did you see out of Tennessee as a whole, and specifically with Milton? Did you did you feel like there are encouraging signs there? You need to see more. Like, what's your overall feeling right now on, on Tennessee's QB1? Yeah, I, I think it's important to note, you know, the, the problems that we talked about with um, South Carolina offensive defensive line is not a problem that Tennessee looks like they have. They controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball yesterday. And I also think it's important to, to talk about what Tennessee is. You know, Tennessee, you think about them throwing the ball down the field and all these explosive pass plays. They're a team that wants to run the ball. And they started out the game, their first five of their first six plays were run plays that help, you know, move the football, help get into the tempo that they like to use, help take some of the pressure off of Joe Milton. Joe Milton needs to understand, I don't have to win the game. I got a lot of talent around me that can help me do that. Um, the first drive was as about, uh, about as, as good as you possibly could have scripted it to be. And then I thought they got into throwing the ball a little bit too much on first down. Um, yeah, obviously, Ramel Keaton drops a huge, huge pass play that was an easy walk-in touchdown. I think that kind of threw off the rhythm of the offense a little bit. But then you started seeing uh, Joe Milton you know, one-hop some balls and, and, and get a little errant with some of the throws. And then after four straight possessions of not scoring points, they got back to running it. You run on first down to help get the tempo going. When you throw an incompletion on first down, you can't get into the tempo. It's like, you know, uh, shooting a free throw on basketball. You got to make that free throw to get the press set up. Well, if you don't make that free throw, then you're dropping back into, you know, your normal zone or playing man defense or whatever. And so for, for Tennessee's offense, when they're throwing incomplete passes on first down, you're behind the chains and they can't get the tempo going. So they, they started running it. They started making some easy access throws. I think that helped the confidence level of, of Joe Milton. And then the offense got back on track again. But this is a team that ran the ball 52 times on, on Saturday. Um, it, Joe Milton brings a, a little uh, more physicality to the run game than what Hendon Hooker had. He ended up having two touchdowns himself. So I, I'm, I'm encouraged about what I saw from Tennessee. They were another team that I felt like Alabama, they, they, those two teams may take a step back this year. But week one has me feeling a lot better about both those teams than maybe I had predicted. 
Yeah, Chris, as you mentioned, the physicality of Joe Milton really stood out to me as well. The one stiff arm he had, bulldozing guys, getting in the end zone. That really jumped off the page. The rest of the slate, Chris, did anything jump out to you? I mean, like you mentioned, it's really tough to take anything away when you're playing teams like Ball State and Western Carolina yeah. and Mercer and what have you. But what of all the other games, was there anything specifically that yeah. maybe it caught your eye and, and you're really curious now moving forward to, to pay attention to? Yeah, I thought quarterback uh, play as a whole was really good in the conference throughout the entire weekend. Uh, I was encouraged by that, especially since we had, you know, some new starters and, and guys in new places that were taken over. Um, I also was very encouraged by a lot of the receiver play that I saw in, in the in the conference this weekend. Um, Texas A&M maybe being the, the one that stood out the most. The combination of Connor Wegman's improvement and that group of, of wide receivers, we talked an awful lot about them in the offseason. Anaya Smith coming back from the injury, Evan Stewart and, and his capabilities, Lucene Muhammad. But we'd heard a lot about Noah Thomas. Noah Thomas caught two touchdowns last year. He caught three in the game on Saturday, 6'6", six, six, uh, long, athletic guy. He's a real weapon. So I, I, I'm, I told you when we talked last week uh, that I was feeling better about Texas A&M than I had the last two seasons. I feel even better about them after watching them. I know they were playing an opponent that was outmatched, but just the execution. We've seen Texas A&M slop it around against, uh, you know, FCS-type opponents before. That was certainly not the case in the game they played on Saturday night. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, Chris, of course, obviously we sit here Sunday afternoon. So for those wondering, we're going to skip over the LSU and Florida State game because that has not happened before we get you out of here, Chris, and again, thank you so much for taking your time, as always, yeah. here this Monday. We look at the Week 2 slate now, and there are really three games that catch our eye that are the headliners. Ole Miss and Tulane, which I think is a really, really sneaky good game. Pair of top 25 teams. Texas A&M, like you mentioned, going on the road to Miami. Bit of a test, right? Take care of your business, what have you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then, of course, Chris, the one we're all looking forward to, Alabama and Texas, and if you want to focus on that one, I, I cannot wait to see, like we mentioned, that's going to be the real test for the quarterback position for Jalen Miller. If they pass that, and Alabama, of course, the home team, if they get that win and the quarterback play as well, I think the outlook of the SEC might change a little bit because that's really been the only question for the Crimson Tide. It's not about roster. It's just that position, yeah. of course. Quinn Ewers in Texas, the future SEC members will come in. It's going to be a great matchup. But your thoughts on the week two slate in the SEC? It gets better. I thought the week one slate was not not great. Uh, I think we're getting cheated a little bit with some of the games that uh, we were subjected to, not only in this conference, but across the country. Uh, but I am very excited about watching Alabama and, and Texas square off. It was a great game last year. Um, I think if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt in that game, Texas probably wins the football game. Uh, Bryce Young single-handedly found a way to bring Alabama back, and there's no Bryce Young on the field this year. So I think that's a, a little concerning. But uh, Jalen Milrow and his ability to not just be an athlete but a, a quarterback uh, does make me feel a little bit better about it. I didn't get a chance to watch the Texas game yet. I'll go back and check that out on tape. 
But uh, I have a lot of respect for Quinn Ewers and, and certainly even more respect for, for Steve Sarkeesian. I thought he did a great job when he was at Alabama. I know he's the right guy to, to help bring Texas back. And as much as we, we, we you know, either love or, or hate Texas, um, college football is better when Texas is good. College football is better when Miami's good. College football here in the SEC is better when, when Tennessee and Florida are good. So you know, I, I hope that, um, you know, the game lives up to the hype. Uh, I certainly hope the game uh, on Sunday night that we're about to watch here with LSU and FSU lives up to the hype. But um, it, we, early in the season, it's still one of those things where you haven't quite maybe figured out who you are. Uh, there's going to be some a- inevitable mistakes. Uh, but I just hope that those teams are able to play cleanly. Um, based upon what I saw on, on Saturday night, I feel a lot better about uh, Alabama's chances to, uh, to win that football game. So I haven't watched a ton of it yet on tape, but uh, yeah, my early inclination is that uh, Alabama finds a way to get the dub. Chris Doring of SEC Network does a fantastic job as always. Chris, keep up the great work, man. Caught you in studio over the weekend. You guys crush it each and every single weekend of the SEC football season. Enjoy LSU, FSU, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. I appreciate it, man. Heading in for night four in a row here in college football this Labor Day weekend, man. So it should be fun.